1: Well, hello and welcome to this
2: week's episode of the Press Zone, right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We are so glad that you're here with us today. We've got a lot of fun to talk about today with the Calder Cup playoffs fully engaged and just chugging along and uh, the Laval Rocket doing some great things in it. So we've got a lot to bring you today. I'm your host of the show, uh, also the lead correspondent at the AHL Report. My name is Amy Johnson. And each and every week in the studio, I am joined by the one and only Rick Stevens, who is our president, our founder, our editor in chief. He's the wearer of many hats. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. Thank you. Doing all right. Yeah. How's it mid May already?
3: Mid May, first round of the playoffs done in the NHL and the AHL, just scooting along. Scooting along. To the division semis? That's semifinals? What, that's what yeah. No, division where are We're we? We're
2: approaching the division, division finals. finals. Yes. Yeah. We're um wrapping up the division semifinals and, and looking ahead, hopefully, to the division finals. We've got uh lots of that to talk about today in our first segment, actually. Uh love did that you know,
3: did you notice um I, just staying with the NHL for a second? Yeah. Did you notice how smart we all are?
2: Well, that's a given.
3: In the playoff bracket challenge, the NHL playoff bracket challenge. Oh, yeah. Uh, 25 teams put together by by Brian for our uh, All Habs, our Rocket Sports Bracket Challenge. And the top, I don't know, one through eight or thereabouts um, with with one mistake. Of eight series and and so many series going to seven games and could have gone either way. Mike Raschel with a perfect bracket.
2: Wow! Yeah. Go, Mike Raschel.
3: And you and I with one, I think we both uh, missed out on Minnesota with St. Louis taking that series. Did you copy off my answer? No, you copied off mine. But uh-huh. okay.
2: Well, congratulations to to us.
3: So we'll see what happens at the end of the we'll
2: report on that.
3: At the end of the second, second round. Second yeah. round. Hmm.
2: We're coming for you, Rassell. <laughs> We're coming for you. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Um, yeah, so in the first segment today, we're going to talk about where Laval is at with Calder Cup playoffs, uh, trying very hard, doing it the hard way, <laughs> trying to get to the division final round. Uh, and uh, in fact, in the second segment, when Patrick Williams joins us for this uh, this week's edition of the AHL Hot Stove, we're actually going to look at. Uh, the the division final matchups around the league because the North Division is the only division that isn't set for its final series. Uh, every other division in the league has already been decided. The matchups are already in place. So Patrick's going to join us to to not only of course talk about the North Division and and how that's shaking out with uh, Laval, Syracuse, Utica, and Rochester all trying to determine who are going to be uh, the 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 Champions going to the fi- uh, the division final, um, but also what the other setups around the league look like for the, the division finals. And there's uh, there's some pretty good competition out there. Um, we're also going to talk a bit in the first segment about uh, Montreal. Winning the draft lottery, we talked about it extensively, immediate reaction right after the draft lottery last week, but we've just got some extra information to send your way about that. Uh, Also going to talk about uh, Joel Bouchard got fired. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Sorry, Joel. Actually, him and his whole staff got fired. So we're going to talk about that with Patrick when he joins us in the second segment as well. So uh, lots of things to talk about today.
3: Well, that's great.
2: Let's do it. Um, The first thing I should mention is we we did just say, you know, last week uh, the show came out a little later in the day than it normally does, simply because we wanted to give you immediate reaction uh, to the results of the NHL draft lottery, and boy, are we glad that we waited because uh, getting the first overall pick uh, are the Montreal Canadiens, and that's a, a pretty exciting bit of news. We covered that extensively last week. What that could mean, um, all sorts of things about that. So, if you missed that show, of course, be go, be sure to go back and listen to that. But uh, uh, the
3: reactions were fresh. They were right oh, after yeah. <laughs> uh, it was
2: immediately after Bill yeah, Daly was
3: done. <laughs> watched watched the draft lottery. Heard Kent Hughes uh, give his initial reactions then we recorded ours
2: we recorded ours uh and then and on, they haven't
3: changed that much.
2: <laughs> they really haven't. Uh and then on Saturday, uh I was pleased to join you. Uh Michael Spinella did a great job co-hosting Canadian's Connection podcast with you on Saturday uh for the first and third segments. I was pleased to join you for the second segment uh for our exclusive interview with Jerome Barube coming back to the show, director of scouting at hockeyprospect.com.
3: Friends in high places.
2: Friends in high places, yes, siree. Uh, and we love talking with Jerome Baruba. He is a wealth of knowledge he spent. I mean, that's he is the director of scouting for Hockey Prospect, which is basically the Bible of scouting, uh, particularly for the draft. Um, and so I encourage everyone to go uh, check out CanadiansConnection.fm. Listen to Saturday's podcast because Jerome comes on to talk about, uh, you know, in addition to Shane Wright, the other top prospects slated to go essentially in the top five and, and the, the choices that Montreal has with first overall, the choices Montreal has later in their picks, uh, later in the first round and in the second round, um, and and just uh, just some really great uh, kind of draft preparation knowledge uh, and, and some great scouting reports. So you want to check that out for so sure. So you've
3: got one of, one of two choices. What? You can go on Twitter... Yeah. And get involved and you either have to, if you're on Twitter, you either have to be in the, and you have to wear t-shirts and everything. I hate Shane Wright. You have to be in that camp. Oh. Or I think uh, Shane Wright is Connor McDavid. You either have to be in one of those two camps. And then you fight and you argue and you you deal with a lot of people that don't know anything. Uh, they don't know, have a clue what they're talking about. And and scouting is is difficult. I grant you that. You see what I did there. Um, I I grant you that. Um, Yeah, or you can you can listen to our podcast. We have um, an expert, a true expert, uh, who isn't into the you know sensationalism. Is going to give you a measured, realistic uh, report, um, and not no watching a YouTube video. These are our scouts who do this full time. Uh, they've had multiple views over multiple years, and um, I'll, I'll give you a preview that that you know there's no runaway winner in this draft class. No, uh, the, the, it's a pretty tight gap, um, but you're going to hear something a, a little bit more realistic, a little bit more um, uh, something that you can trust, which is what we always try to provide.
2: Absolutely, and and frankly, uh, Jerome's. Um Jerome's classification and and his description and his scouting report of all of the top prospects and even some of the guys he expects to go a little later in the first round and, and into the second round, um, just makes you more excited to watch the draft because it makes you really excited to see these guys play um, and and understand that there's, you know, there's some good competition in this draft as well. Uh, while, while there is not, you know, yes, we've talked about the fact that it's not a very deep draft necessarily um, and that, no, there isn't a clear runaway winner at first overall, um, even though Shane Wright is kind of the popular name that's been thrown around for years for this draft class. Um, it's really exciting to hear that there's some pretty good competition in there, too. So um, I highly encourage you to go check out that interview. It uh, took place on Saturday at CanadiansConnection.fm. You won't regret it. Share it with your friends. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast while you're there as well. Uh, For us here, however, we're fully entrenched here at the AHL Report in the Calder Cup playoffs and the fact that Laval is on the brink of, of making, something, of
3: something, <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> it's,
2: it's <laughs>
3: yeah, that's the way the playoffs work. That's right. Deciding games, you 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 move on, and that's very exciting. Or your season is it done.
2: ends. Right. It's a do or die day for the Laval Rocket today. Uh, they had a they had a great chance. Um, you know, after after splitting games one and two in Utica, that gave them home ice advantage coming back for th- games three and four in Laval. Um, and they had the opportunity there right in their hands to win those two games on home ice and take the series and, and take a little rest uh, until they had to face whoever wins the Rochester and Utica series. But it didn't quite go that way. Um, game three did. Uh, game three, they came out with a pretty, pretty definitive victory over uh, Syracuse. They won that one four to one. Held them. Uh, Remy Ely was was the only guy that got a got a goal for Syracuse, um, and they did it, of course, uh, in style. No even strength goals. They two power play goals and two, not one but two empty netters, uh, to win that one four to one. And so. So
3: this was a tight game. Yeah, it, it was a very tight game. It could have gone either way. Uh, Cedric Paquette uh, scored halfway through the third period. Uh, it had been a one-one game up till then, mm. um, and so don't be deceived by the the two empty net goals. This right. was a one-goal contest.
2: That is absolutely right. Um, and and Caden Primo was decent in net. Um, you know he's been ever since he came in to the series in game two. He's been J.F.'s, J.F. Fool's starter since, and he he will likely get the start in game five as well. Um, So that, that moved things to Saturday afternoon, three o'clock game, game four. And that was the first elimination game of, of the series potential. Uh, Syracuse's back was against the wall for them. That was their first do or die game of the series. They had to win that game or their season was over. Uh, Laval had a, pa- I mean, Place bell was packed, uh, mm-hmm. Thursday and Saturday. I mean, it was raucous in there. Our Chris G was in the press box for both, uh, both events. He said, it's the loudest I've ever heard Place bell in the, in the, in the three seasons that have been there. And, and so, you know, it's, uh, very, the fans were definitely into it. They, the fans had their back, but Saturday they didn't get to cheer a single goal because, uh, Syracuse blanked them three, nothing, which was, I think a little surprising for some people,
3: especially, especially, uh, surprise. now Max legacy has been one of the better goal especially down the stretch for, mm-hmm. for Syracuse. Um, so, okay. You look at the, the, the box score and, and, uh, a shutout out, um, credit to Max legacy. However, well. um, <laughs> he only lasted 10 minutes in this game. Yep. Um, and, uh, that's, uh, for, for Syracuse, um, and the, the, other than Max' legacy, the goaltending issues that they've had, uh, to bring in a young guy like, uh, Hugo Alnefelt, 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 Hugo Alnefelt, Alnefelt. a rookie. Yep. um, playing, making his, his, um, AHL playoff debut cold off the bench, mm-hmm. um, in an
2: elimination game, in an
3: elimination game. A no pressure kid. Um, remarkable. Absolutely remarkable.
2: And this was the kid who uh Laval beat in the last game of the regular season in Syracuse. And, and he looked awful. And he looked terrible.
1: Yeah.
2: Um he looked like a completely different guy uh on Saturday. Um Laval couldn't get anywhere near him, couldn't get anything past him. Um the interesting thing is Max Legacy got injured because Gabriel Dumont, you remember you remember him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabriel Dumont, captain of the Syracuse Crunch, um, accidentally took a Laval player right into his own goaltender. Um, so I'm sure Captain Gabe Jamon is feeling pretty crappy about the fact that he took out their starting goaltender for the rest of that game and now for, for game five as well.
3: That's an important point that it's one thing to protect a young goaltender, a, a young, inexperienced goaltender um, for two and a half periods. But now in a do or die game. Um, you're going to have to, the Syracuse is going to have to duplicate that effort again.
2: Absolutely. Now the advantage they have is that their home ice advantage comes back into play from the beginning of the series and they're back in Syracuse again. So, um, that means that, uh, Laval's going to have to come up with a third win in, in as many weeks in Syracuse, uh, which is a tall task. It's not going to be easy. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it was a disappointing loss for for Laval. Wool um, said after the game that he thought that his guys were playing tired, which um, yeah, I I, I don't want to hear that word in the playoffs. I was surprised? Yeah. Well, um, and 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 I don't know that he was using it as an excuse. I think he, it, it sounded more to me like an observation. And and if it was an observation for him, then I'm hoping he tore them a new one. In the dressing room, like you don't, there is no tired right now. So I I don't like that you look like you were playing tired. Um,
3: Well, rosters are expanded at this time of year. There's, we know that that Laval has a a Black Aces squad. So uh, for those folks who are looking tired or or maybe, um, you know, just not 100% as far as um, health is concerned, he'll have an opportunity to make some changes.
2: He will um he is likely to for for three games he went with um eleven forwards seven defensemen uh, matthias norlander getting into into all three of those games as the seventh defenseman uh it is likely to return to a standard lineup for JFL tonight uh he indicated uh that <laughs> we were we were actually recognize we're we're chuckling before the show uh that his response to you know have you-
3: he was asked again, um, you know, um, what'd you think of that? Uh, that set, that alignment, that 11 forward, seven defenseman <laughs> line alignment.
2: So, so I didn't like it tonight. I liked it for the two games that it worked. Yeah, well, <laughs> Which I do love Jaffel's sense of humor. He's at, even on a loss like that, he can still come out and have a sense of humor. I appreciate that. Um, so it's very likely that we might not see Matthias Norlander in the lineup uh, tonight um, for for this for this game. Uh, it is, however, likely that we will see Caden Primo back in net again. Um, as we mentioned, Benoit Grul has uh, has has confirmed that it's likely Hugo Alnafelt in net uh, with Max Legacy's injury, uh, probably going to keep him out of this game as well. Uh, and the Syracuse fan base, you know. We mentioned that Laval was trying to come up with their own, you know, start their own playoff traditions since this is the first time they've ever been in the playoffs. So last week's two games were the first ever playoff games played at Place Bell. So they're trying to start their own traditions uh, and they've gone with the whiteout tradition uh, in Laval and and they provided, you know, white T-shirts to everyone on Thursday Uh, And and the fans seem to team seem to latch on to that pretty well. Uh, Syracuse doesn't have that kind of a tradition in place. But it's funny that today, uh, in advance of game five, it looks like some of the fans themselves are trying to get uh, kind of organized and start a tradition of their own. They're wanting to blew out the barn. Um, and so we saw the the Syracuse broadcaster uh, retweeting some of the fans in their effort to do that uh, today. So we'll see if the fans uh, come together and, and create a very hostile <laughs> united front uh, for the Laval Rocket to face. Today.
3: Very, very strong fan base in Syracuse. And, uh, yeah, they're taking it into their own hands to uh, start something, to be in an, be in an extra force, uh, an intimidating force. Um uh, in and play a part in the in the deciding game tonight.
2: That's right. So, uh game 5 tonight, uh winner moves on to the winner of the Rochester and Utica series, the North Division final, which will likely start this weekend. Uh if Utica wins, Utica will have home ice advantage for that series. If Rochester wins, um then the winner then Whoever wins tonight's game, Laval or Syracuse would have home ice advantage. Um, We'll have to see how all of that shakes out. Of course, over at AHLreport.com, we've got you covered uh, with game recaps. Follow us at the AHL report on Twitter for live in game updates. Um, The disappointing thing. And I, and we understand, you know, part of the issue is that there aren't a ton of prospects in Laval to begin with this season. Uh, it's been a bit of a, a prospect vacuum in the AHL this season for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, but if Matthias Norlander sits tonight, um, you're only looking at a at a few guys in the lineup who are actual prospects. Um, which is, yes, we want you know we certainly want to see the Laval Rocket win, but we'd like to see as many pos- prospects as possible getting big game experience like this. So.
3: And we know we'll that, 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 that the head coach said uh, development ends at, uh, at the end of the regular season. I, you know, I, I don't disagree very much with J.F. I'm going to disagree with him on this. Uh, very important to get some playoff experience, particularly for uh, prospects. Um, you know, Caden Primo didn't start uh, the the series, um, and Kevin Poulin did. Um, and And when he came in, uh, Caden Primo was very shaky, even that uh, th- the first game in in uh, uh, Laval, that first period was a really shaky one for Caden mm-hmm. Primo, but uh, he got through it, and he's building his confidence. And as you said, he'll uh, play again tonight. Uh, and that's got to be, you know, for someone that you want to be part of your organization, and whether it's Primo, or whether it's Ulanen, um, long shot Raphael Harvey-Penard, Um, you want them with those kinds of experiences, win or lose, you want them with those experiences. Um, So it's, it's unfortunate that there aren't more who are uh, taking part.
2: Absolutely. Um, But we'll just have to wait and see if they move on to another round where maybe some of those prospects can get a little more ice time before the season ends. Uh, We will have all of that for you at the AHL report. But first and foremost, coming up next, we're going to invite Patrick Williams into the studio, and he's going to join us. We're going to take a trip. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about this Laval series with Patrick as well since he's kind of got his finger on the pulse of everything around the league. Talk about the other series going on in the North division, Rochester and Utica. And the fact that Rochester has Utica up against a wall, Uh, who saw that coming at the beginning of the year. Right. Uh, And also fill us in on all of the division final matchups that are now set around the rest of the league, including the Atlantic division and both uh, Western conference divisions. So uh, we are not going anywhere. We've got lots more coming for you. Don't go anywhere. Uh, We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Press Zone podcast right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And welcome back to the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Glad that you are still here with us. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. Uh, We've had a a great show so far, just getting you all set for whether or not the Laval Rocket is going to to advance, win that Game 5, clinch uh, this series, and and move on to the next one. Uh, It's a a pretty exciting time for Laval Rocket and Habs fans in that regard. Uh, In this segment, we've got uh, Patrick Williams joining us in the studio in just a moment for the AHL Hot Stove. Before we get to that, however, uh, just a couple of uh, requests for you. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. Uh, We also invite you to share This podcast, if you can hit that share button and just let your uh, your fellow Habs fans or Laval Rocket fans or hockey fans uh, that that are friends of yours or family members know uh, that this is a great place to come all year round, including the NHL offseason for information about prospects in the Montreal Canadiens organization, then we would greatly appreciate that if you just hit that share button and uh, we'll be sure to bring you great entertaining information all summer long just like we always do. Well, we promised you that this was an AHL hot stove week. We promised you that that meant that Patrick Williams would be joining us in the studio for segment two. And gosh darn it, we keep our promises. Patrick, welcome back to the show. It's always good to have you back in the studio.
0: Great. Thanks for having me.
2: Um, oh, there he
1: comes.
2: <laughs> there he comes. Ushered in by the AHL angels. hmm you're going to have your own mascot soon in an <laughs> AHL Angel. To get t-shirts out. Yeah. Like you, what would you well, that's a whole conversation for a different day. Um good to have you here. Uh it is uh it's uh it's whew, It's like crunch time. Huh, see what I did there? <laughs> crunch time in uh Calder Cup playoffs. Uh we've got Just about every division final series matchup set in place, except for that darn North division. Um, They're still uh, duking it out, Um, but lots going on uh, around the league. Um, What's your, you know, Rick and I spent most of the first segment just breaking down and kind of setting up what what has gone on in this Laval Syracuse series. What are your thoughts on, on, how it ends in game five as well as as their potential opponent, the Rochester Utica series, who Rochester uh leading the series right now two to one and, and could eliminate the Utica Comets.
0: Well yeah let's start with Syracuse and Laval. Uh it's been a weird series, right? Like <clears throat> I thought game one uh it looked like it's gonna be a quick series and um I mean I know It was a closer game, but I just felt that Syracuse controlled a lot of that play in game one, and then lo and behold, Laval comes back, wins two, puts Syracuse uh, kind of on the brink of elimination, and then Syracuse comes in game four uh, and is completely dominant, um, Mm -hmm. and uh, kind of uh, shut down the party there at uh, Plaus Bell, uh, which uh, they... Kind of, I got the impression it was supposed to be a coronation for the Laval Rocket and Syracuse Crunch said not so fast, uh, and they did it with uh, backup goalie Hudo uh, um, after Max he was injured. So now you're coming to Syracuse, and that's always a tough building. Um, it's a weird environment for visiting teams. Fans are right on top of you. It's loud. Um, it's not necessarily the most comfortable environment. Uh, so Laval's gonna have to learn how. Um, to kind of reacclimate themselves now to being back on the road and not having that, that plus bell fan support. Uh, and, uh, you know, but it's the one game take all. So, you know, it's, um, it's one of the kind of the, the, the wrinkles of this best of five where it feels like the series really, um, ramps up very quickly and ramps up very, you know, down very quickly as well. And, you know, it, 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 this has been one of the longer series in this round, uh, in terms of number of days, but, um, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll go with Syracuse. though. I I can't pick against the home team uh, in this kind of situation.
2: Really? You, and you you know, with as you said, Hugo Onofeld, uh in net with Max Legacy's injury. Um, he's a rookie. Uh, this will be his mm-hmm. first start in the playoffs. Um, can he can he grab that magic that he had on on Saturday coming in cold?
0: Um. <laughs> Looked pretty good in game four, I thought. Uh, twenty four saves, uh, you know, considering he was coming in uh, from the bullpen there. I thought he I thought he more than acquainted or acquitted himself well. So uh yeah, I I have no reason to pick against him. Um kinda mm-hmm. had an up and down season uh, first year in North America, which is not to be unexpected or you know, not all that surprising. Um, but he has high, played high level experience in the Swedish Hockey League, you know, one of the top leagues in the world. So um, he's no slouch in that sense. Um, and you know, I was actually a little bit surprised how much he did struggle coming over to the American League. But um, it, it, I found with Syracuse this year, though, it was hard to make sense of a lot of what happened to their year. They, they were they were really bad to start the year, and then the second half, they're playing 55 games in 116 days. So it's it's really I found difficult to gauge
1: mm-hmm.
0: kind of the real performance or what you really have with that team, just given everything that happened. I mean, they, they, they went five weeks and played three games mid season because of uh, the Omicron um, variant uh, kind of flaring up there. So uh, it, it's just, it, they just had one of the stranger years in the entire league and um, he was up and down as well. So, uh, you know, I'll go with him though. I, I have nothing. No reason to think he can't do it a one game series. I mean, LeBlanc is a solid team, but they're certainly a beatable team as we've as we've seen, uh, especially in game four.
3: What do you think uh, in that supercharged environment uh, in Syracuse? Um, what do you think is going to happen with discipline? Uh, because we've seen that special teams have played a role uh, in the series up till now. <sighs>
0: Yeah, that has, well, that was a real issue for for Syracuse there, especially that game three. That was really mm-hmm. um, really bad. Um, I think Ben Grew got in their ear <laughs> as, as he can do. Yeah. Um, they were much better in game four in that regard. Uh, they, uh, they were shorthanded twice in the first period, and then after that, uh, completely uh, clean from there on um, with the game in control more or less uh, down the last forty minutes or so. Because uh, even not on. You the scoreboard aside, I just thought right off the bat, Syracuse controlled the play, and, uh, you know, I, they are a team I've seen, they can get frustrated, um, and you you definitely can go them into penalties, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised see you'll validate that attack tonight. Um, and that crowd can work for against you. Sometimes right. home teams come out and they're a little bit too, um, too high-strung and too wired, and, um, it, it, you know, they come out and – try to put on a show and, or, you know, just, you know, take dumb penalties. So that will be, I think the challenge for Syracuse uh, to, to really stick to what they did in game four and, and stick to that discipline. Uh, because I think if they do, they can win this game. Uh, I do think they're the better team, but you, you know, if you're shorthanded seven times, like they were in game three, right? you're really, I mean, you're really asking your, 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 your PK and your goalie and everybody, you know, to play well above and beyond uh, what they should be asked to do.
2: So the winner of this game um, will go on to face the winner of the other series happening in the North division, Rochester versus Utica, which oddly enough has followed the same track that the Laval Syracuse series has, has gone, which is Mm -hmm. Utica won game, one at home. Um, Utica, of course, Went on the big hot streak at the beginning of the regular season. They led the Eastern Conference, uh, the Eastern Conference champion uh, at the end of the year. So Utica Comets win game one, home ice. Rochester takes game two in overtime. So splits, splits the the games on the road in Utica, comes home to Rochester, wins again in game three, uh, again in overtime. So now they're facing game four, which is, you know, in the Laval series, Laval didn't finish it off uh, on home ice. Uh, Rochester has an opportunity to do that tonight in what has been uh, so far, some pretty big crowds for the Amherst. What, what are your thoughts on how that series is going to pan out?
0: Yeah. Biggest crowd in 20 years in Rochester, which used to be, you know, at one point, one of the the top uh, markets in the league in terms of fan support. Uh, And obviously they fell in hard times for several years uh, the Buffalo Sabers um, have had their troubles, and that obviously trickles right down to the to the American League affiliates. Uh, so Rochester kind of got uh, pulled into there, and, uh, and it was sort of like the old Amherst were back, uh, back from their kind of their their heyday of the early two thousands when they had Ryan Miller there and uh, um, Derek Roy and uh, Thomas Vanek and Jason Palmiello. I mean, for a while that, that was just a team that you know. They both developed and they won. And this Amherst team now feels like they have a little bit of that same uh, feel to them now. Obviously, some real top prospects there, uh, Jack Quinn, J.J. Paterka, um, kind of are the headliners, but uh, a real good uh, base of uh, supporting cast as well. Um, they brought in Mark, Mark Alt from San Jose uh, at the deadline. Uh, really kind of solidified their blue line, which was a, a major issue. Uh, throughout the year and they had Brandon Davidson back uh, who's played almost 200 NHL games he's been injured Um, originally was thought to be done for the year and uh, he managed to to get healthy in time uh, to come back uh, midway through this series and uh, uh, played game two in Utica uh, had to sit out game three just because they didn't want to play in back-to-back nights Uh, but looks like he will be good to go for game four and um, I do think Rochester, they have to close this uh, series tonight, though. Uh, I think if they let this go back to Utica, that building um, is difficult. Uh, they did manage to win game two there in overtime. But I think asking to win two out of three games there in a series, thats that would be a tall order for the Amherst. So um, it would behoove them uh, to certainly to, to end the series tonight uh, and not Go back in that that, uh, that cauldron that is uh, the Adirondack Bank Center in Utica because that's uh, that Utica Commons team when they're at home. Uh, they're a different team, they really kind of play with that energy and that swagger that uh, they sometimes have on the road, but not always. And um, yeah, I would not want to be Rochester trying to go back there and win a game five uh, in that building.
2: So we uh we're waiting to see how all of that shakes out. Uh can you give us just a quick overview? However, uh the the rest of the the division final series are set both in the Atlantic Division and the East and the rest of the Western Conference as well. Uh are there not needing to necessarily go through every series, but what what are the big matchups or or were there, you know, were there any upsets um of teams getting to the final?
0: Yeah, um <laughs> Uh, I think that uh, Charlotte, um, I think they they got a little bit more bloodied, uh, figuratively speaking, by Bridgeport than uh, maybe you would like if you're if you're the Checkers. Uh, Bridgeport does play kind of that grinding physical style, and they uh, have to go four games, um, It's a little bit longer than maybe uh, you prefer. Springfield more or less cruised past Wilkes-Barre. Wilkes-Barre, you know, with all the problems with Pittsburgh uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh roster was, uh, you know, it was pretty thin. And they, they're just a team that um, they're still learning how to win. Um, they were up 4-1 to one in, in uh, game three at home in the first period, and they ended up losing 7-6. So um, I think uh, when you look at uh, Charlotte-Springfield, I, I think Charlotte is the most complete team. Um, certainly in that division. And I would even say in the Eastern conference. Uh, so I have to like Charlotte a lot in that series. And then out West Chicago, Milwaukee, uh, the old rivals going all the way back to the days of the international hockey league. And, um, uh, they actually haven't played a playoff series since 2010. Um, uh, Chicago completely, they walked past Rockford. I mean, it was barely a series to be quite honest. Uh, uh, they all scored on 14 to four. And, uh, you know, it was one of those series where at times it looked like they were almost toying with them. Um, Milwaukee uh, had to go five with Manitoba. I think Milwaukee's going to be a, a much tougher challenge for, for the Wolves. And I think especially having Connor Ingram there, uh, he wasn't a much of a factor in that Manitoba series, but I think if there's one player that can be that deciding factor in that series and, Kind of even things out with the wolves. I think it's Connor Ingram. I mean, when he's on, I, I think he's the best goaltender in this league. Um, and obviously going up against that uh, Chicago attack uh, with Polarowski and Stefan Nason, who had 48 goals this year, and you know CJ Smith, and just right down the list. Uh, you know that's that's a stacked lineup. But um, they, I, I think Connor Ingram is a little bit of an equalizer. And then out west, you have Colorado, who swept both Henderson and uh, Ontario, uh, Ontario was the third overall team in the league and mm. God, they got swept. I mean, easily, it was a 10 to one game in game one. And that kind of set the, the, the tone for the rest of the series. And then Stockton, uh, got past Bakersfield in three games as well, which I, I was a little bit surprised. Even though Stockton was second overall, I thought Bakersfield, um, they were a tough draw for a first, uh, first opponent for Stockton. Uh, but, uh the games were close, but Stockton more, more or less controlled that entire series. So I think Stockton, Colorado is going to be a real, real good matchup. Uh, I don't have a great sense for where that will go. I think that, you know, we'll, we'll see Dustin Wolf, the rookie goalie, uh, who, you know, was fantastic this year. This year he'll be tested um, quite a bit by, by Colorado, though.
2: Rick, I think we've ta- we talked about how um, watching the Stanley Cup playoffs, even if, you know, in, in our case, Montreal uh is is out of the playoffs but it's still uh, almost every playoff game no matter what teams are playing it almost feels like must see tv because they're just it's such a different uh atmosphere different energy and and i think now that we're getting to this point of the ahl the calder cup playoffs as well a lot of these series sound like they're going to be um ones that you know even the casual fan might want to peek in on because it sounds like they're going to be pretty exciting the playoffs and and
3: whether it's the NHL or AHL, it's just a different game, mm-hmm. uh, an entirely different level of intensity. The fans are are more ramped up. Uh, the players, obviously, you know, every shift is crucial, and and we, we just see a whole different effort level.
2: Well, and um, I I said to you gentlemen before the show that I might peek in on that Springfield Charlotte series because A, I think it's going to be great hockey, and B, maybe we'll see another goalie goal. <laughs> See if Joel Hofer's got another one in him. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um of course it means as teams advance, other teams see their seasons come to a screeching halt. Uh, and then when that happens, you know, there's there's end of season uh, press conferences and, and dressing room clean out days and and things of that nature as you as teams kind of reflect on the season that was and, and we see some regime change start happening uh, pretty quickly. Um, and I think maybe it caught some people by surprise, maybe others not quite so much when uh, the announcement came out that former Laval Rocket head coach Joel Bouchard, along with his team, Max Talbot, uh, Daniel Jacob, all relieved of their coaching duties um, by the Anaheim Ducks uh, out there in San Diego. Um you know, this was will remind or we'll remind listeners. Joel Bouchard was with Laval for three seasons, um, and at the end of the year last year, um, opted to uh, walk away from Montreal, take a head coaching position in San Diego. So they've only been, and, and he and he brought uh, he brought his uh, familiar coaching staff with him. Um, Patrick, I'll, I, I'll I'll start with you. Uh, w- was this? Was this really, you know, how how big of a deal is it for for a new head coach and his coaching staff to only get one season in the books and and get let go, or is it a is it something, you know, we we Pat Verbeek is is new in the organization, is this just a, a change in in upper management, um, or is it more indicative of something else?
0: Uh, a little bit of both, but uh, certainly to be gone after one year is is definitely unusual, especially somebody who's. Star was high. Um, and I know that Anaheim heavily recruited him; they really they wanted him badly. But that was under Bob Murray, former GM, and um, uh, new regime comes in, and obviously, yes, that can lead to changes sometimes. But even so, you you typically get more than one year, right? So, um, yeah, I think it's a surprise. And uh, San Diego was not very good this year; they were 28th overall. Um, they never quite found their footing. Um, yeah, they they were a team that at times looked like they were on on the precipice of of finally figuring things out, and then they would kind of fall back. Uh, And on paper, uh, a really good team, but just it uh, it never clicked for them. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting with Bouchard. I mean, his his star was so high. Um, Whether or not you liked his style, his star was high in Laval. Um, And uh, obviously being that that market, you get – far more attention uh, for what you're doing. Um, Went out to San Diego. Obviously it's a little bit um, more of a low key uh, environment and now you're gone. And now what? Right. So he has some decisions to make, I guess like um, you throw your hat in the ring for another AHL job. Maybe Uh, depends how many actually will be uh, both open and uh, attractive to him, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure what's next for Bouchard. It's a little bit of a, um, a plot twist. I mean, when you look at where he was a year ago today, right? Like uh, Laval just won the North Division or the Canadian Division in yeah, the, the weird COVID season, and um, he rolled the dice. He went to Anaheim, and uh, obviously, it did not work out for him. In, you know, any way, shape, or form. Oh,
2: sorry. I... Go ahead Rick. I was I was going to throw to you and 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 say, you know, we heard from Joel Bouchard right away last year when he left Montreal, he had his own press conference. <laughs> um have we heard from Joel Bouchard uh, since his exit from San Diego?
3: We have. Um but I'll just say first that that it's interesting um and 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 I think Patrick was getting at that there that His his there was his stock was very high and and we know that uh, there were some discussions between Mark Bergevin and Joel Bouchard to bring him into the organization to the Montreal Canadiens because he had you know had his fill he felt he had done all he could in a coaching role with Laval uh, but it wasn't the position to his liking and he saw uh, you know uh, dominoes falling in a certain way. Um, in Anaheim, that would have led him to to the NHL. But uh, how things can change, and how those dominoes can spill in a whole different direction. And now, as Patrick says, um, he's kind of uh, placed himself uh, outside the consideration, or or his his uh, visibility has been less in the last season. And unless you know his luck struck, um, it, it may require a step back before he can. Do, reach the goal that he wants to get to mm-hmm. but as far as as uh, hearing from him yes uh, la pres re- <laughs> reached out to him uh a day after uh he got the news from pat verbeek about his firing and he was willing to talk to them and and for him uh he explained it as just a confluence of of circumstance um uh. that um you know he thought that there was a plan um going forward um um with Bob Murray. Um, and, uh, he, he, he was comfortable with that plan, but then Bob Murray being out of the organization, Pat, he said, uh, I don't know Pat Verbeek, Pat Verbeek doesn't know me. Um, and, uh, so that th- their, their, uh, goals, their agendas, their ways of doing things were quite different. And, um, it looks like Pat Verbeek bring in his, his, uh, group, um, and, uh, and, 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 made the decision that it was time for Joel Bouchard and uh, the the two assistant coaches, as you mentioned, to move on.
2: Well, uh, it will be – that's kind of the first – Patrick, is that the first uh, coach watch now that we have in the league? Is that the first vacancy? Have they filled that? They haven't filled Uh, that yet.
0: Well, Cleveland, uh, Mike Eves uh, stepped down. That's right, um, yes. um, And – Coachella Valley still has an opening obviously okay. as a new team and, uh, I believe that's it. Uh, okay, so there you go. Okay. that's where things are right now. Maybe a couple more teams depending on the playoffs and then, and then sometimes teams also wait a little bit longer. Um, you'll see a coach, um, get fired in June sometimes. And just, it's one of those things that's a little weird about this league, but, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, as of right now, that's uh, that's the main vacancy. Uh, Anders Sorensen in Rockford was the interim coach. Uh, Chris Height in Ontario was the interim coach. Uh, don't have anything official uh, on what uh, the next step is for them with those teams. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting twister for Mister Bouchard. Uh, certainly not where he was a year ago. That's for sure.
2: That that is that is true. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where he lands. And who uh, is going to be filling his role and the other vacancies uh, around the American Hockey League. It's one of the, it's one of the fun parts of the offseason in the summer is, is watching to see how those things shape up. Um, all right. Well, uh, it looks like we've got an exciting night ahead of hockey, week ahead of hockey, as the, uh, the division semifinals wrap up and we get the division final series underway uh, around the AHL. As always, Patrick, we appreciate, uh, we certainly know that this time of year beyond all is uh, is very busy for you uh, with your contributions at, at NHL.com and of course at the AHL's website as well. Um, in addition, we love just having you as a contributor here at Rocket Sports and you joining us every other week for the hot stove. So thanks so much for being here and uh, make sure to drink lots of coffee.
0: I <laughs> love it too. Thank you.
2: Well, the AHL guru has spoken. Mm-hmm sets us up for what's i think going to be a pretty exciting uh division final set of series um it's funny how the north division the north division was the last one to be decided um as far as what their what their standings were going to be to end the regular season, and now everybody's waiting on the North Division to finish <laughs> up the division semifinals. Um, the, the North Division just likes to play a lot of hockey, I think. Uh, apparently they do. Apparently they do. Thank you to Patrick once again for joining us uh, for the AHL Hot Stove. We absolutely love having him on the show every other week uh, and, and part of the crew here at Rocket Sports. Uh, if you don't already, follow him at at P. Williams AHL on Twitter. You won't regret it. Um, and uh, let's see here. So, that, that leaves us with uh, nothing else but to get ready for. Uh, the rest of Laval's run here this week, and hopefully it's going to be more than one game. We know for sure it's definitely going to take place tonight, Game 5 in Syracuse. Make sure you're following us at the AHL Report on Twitter for all of that coverage, and head over to AHLReport.com for the post-game recap. Uh, if you do miss that, uh, you can watch that game on AHL TV, and I do believe RDS is streaming it on Uh, their website as well uh, with Anthony Marcotte's French broadcast. uh, If you don't subscribe to AHL TV. So that's two ways that you can watch, uh, watch the game. You can also listen to it in French on 91.9 if you so choose. Uh, But we'll have complete English coverage for you at the AHL report. And uh, then we will have to wait. If they do win tonight, we'll wait and see who their opponent is going to be. But that series should start either Friday or Sunday uh, depending on who the opponent is and where it's going to take place uh, later this week. So we'll have you covered top to bottom, soup to nuts at the AHL Report for sure.
3: So you want to be following, well, you want to be subscribed to this podcast, but you want to be following AHL Report for sure for some of these updates. The other way to get an update um, on on the Montreal Canadiens, on the Laval Rocket, is be subscribed to our YouTube YouTube channel, YouTube com And there you're going to find the Habs Hockey Report, which contains information about the Montreal Canadiens and the L- Laval Rocket.
2: It's a weekly uh, video program that I host uh, every Thursday on the All Habs YouTube channel. It's a lot of fun uh, just bringing you, you know, the weekly news for the Montreal Canadiens Weekly news from the Laval Rocket. Uh, you'll hear video and audio from uh, the Rocket head coach and players, sometimes some exclusive interviews. We've had uh, Lucas Vedemol on the show this year, Nate Schnarr, Yessa uh, uh So you want to be subscribed. And there's lots of fan interaction. In fact, this past week uh, we had a tremendous outpouring of, of fan interaction in last week's show.
3: Fastest-growing Montreal Canadiens (laughs) account on YouTube, bar none.
2: Absolutely. I mean, we're just getting tons and tons of subscribers every week because everybody's really enjoying the interaction and they're enjoying having a place to go to get all of their Canadiens organization news in one place. So uh, check that out and subscribe. And uh, also be sure, as I said earlier, uh, subscribe to the Canadiens Connection podcast. You can find that at canadiansconnection.fm. That is hosted by uh, Rick with an array of co-hosts. Myself, Michael Spinella, Chris G., every Saturday.
3: We have such a talented crew.
2: We do. We absolutely do. Uh, And you won't want to miss that. That's every Saturday, CanadiansConnection.fm. And otherwise, we will see you right back here next Tuesday for another great episode of the Press Zone podcast right here on Rocket Sports Radio. We'll see you then.